Welcome to Gross Anatomy. We're live, Dr. Cohen. So you're saying we're live? I'm saying we're live. Ah, and uh, welcome to Gross Anatomy Podcast. Welcome, everyone. And I'm Dr. Jason Cohen. And I'm Lauren Taylor. And we discuss sight, smells, sounds of medicine, how it relates to pop culture, movies, TV, the world around us, and other cool, weird, wacky stuff. That's right. Yeah. And we're live. And we're live. Yeah. And we got a listener um, posted on our IG. What's IG? Our Instagram. Oh, my God. Oh, Instagram. Okay. (laughs) You knew that one. Yeah, sorry. Um, They recommended that we... And I think mainly you read no the, we 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 read the, the Forbes, royal we <laughs> Forbes article titled Walmart's first healthcare services super center opens. Mm. This article in Forbes, which we both read, and it's um. But you memorized and studied. I memorized and studied. Right. It's opening. Walmart is opening its first ten thousand square foot Walmart Health. It's just called Walmart Health, and wow. it's a center that features an array of primary medical devices, dental care, behavioral health services, as part of a new model expected to eventually be replicated in other markets. Well, aren't uh, aren't didn't um, one of the healthcare companies buy a um, partner with a drugstore, or the other way around, or something like that, or was it Walmart? It might have been Walmart. Uh, apparently, CVS is trying right, to get in the same game. So is Walgreens, right, and even Amazon, which everybody's partnering, yes. yeah. So now people just these huge companies want to make super healthcare centers. Well, that's you know that's the trend right now. Everybody's going towards the big thing, and when you look on IG, Instagram, <laughs> when you look on that, you see like the big thing, the big trend is health and wellness, right? And so it makes a lot of sense that when you go into a store of any kind, well, well, I think it's a few things actually. I think. Going to regular stores is becoming less and less popular mm-hmm. because of the internet. People prefer to shop online these days, and a lot of shops and stores are kind of in trouble because of that. So I think certain stores, like the drugstores, pharmacies, are trying to think outside the box a little bit and say, hey, where, where can we go? Where should we go? But it makes a lot of sense to yeah. offer healthcare-based It does. Stuff. And according to the representative in this article in Forbes, they are not trying to increase foot traffic into their stores. Baloney. Which just sounds ridiculous. Yeah, 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 of course. I don't course. know why you would even say that. Right. And they say that... They actually want less yes, people. Yes, I yeah. know. Mm-hmm. They say they're trying to solve problems for our customers, which... Well, that's a good... I don't know. See, that's the thing line. that I don't know. The article didn't include, like, did... Pe- before this health center, did people have problems getting access? Well, you know, one interesting thing is when we watch that show that the, you know, those two new shows... About uh, yeah. the healthcare shows, what are the, what chasing are the, names? the cure, right, and diagnosis, diagnosis. So based on those two shows, we really realized uh, what we already know is that there are tons of people in this world, in, in our country at least, and in the world, who don't know how to get healthcare, who don't have access to healthcare. Right, that makes sense. But then another question I have when I was reading this, I thought about you and like your your practice. Does this these kind of places like hurt? Other practices? 
I, I, it's not going to hurt surgery, at least I don't think so. I don't think people are going to start doing operations in the middle of Walmart. Right. That would be pretty interesting. Oh, you're coming in? Uh, well, I'd humongous. like to get a barbecue and have this tumor removed. Uh, I don't know how yeah. big they're going to get. But right. yeah, I get that point. But yeah. I wonder, like, you obviously know other doctors, like primary care physicians. Like, I wonder if they worry about stuff like that. Maybe, or it may just be the way that primary care and healthcare is going. You know, it, it, one thing that we've talked about a little bit is private practice versus... Um, paid by you know big big uh, universities and and health centers owning the medical practices. So this may be another solution or alternative for doctors rather than you know there'll be a third option. You could work at a Walmart or something like that, right. which is another type of being employed rather than private practice. Right. And it may just be another solution for doctors. Yeah, I mean that's who it's an interesting hired. concept. I I don't. I think it's I think it's probably here to stay. I don't know if it's here to stay in that form. Right. But I think it's here to stay. Well, this is like a test model, I guess, and they're yeah. planning to open more. This is just a test. Yeah, this one opened Friday in Dallas, and Georgia already has one, uh, something similar. Yeah, I think it'll be exciting to see what happens. I don't know if it's going to, you know, have me buy the stock in Walmart and, you know, jump on board saying, oh, Walmart's... but. But yeah, I think I it's a no good creative plan. I mean, I know like Target has always had like an optometrist in it. Like right. I know that's not exactly weird. Even um, what's that? Other's not Home Depot. The other Costco has uh, an optometrist in it. Also, I oh, think, really? or at least they used to. I remember. Yeah, I mean, I guess it just comes down to convenience. That's why Amazon wants to get in this game too, which is crazy. I didn't know Amazon was yeah, getting in the that's game. That's what the article said. But. Well, now there's also the whole telemedicine too. So. You know, the goal is, I, I oh, think one of the problems is... podcast. I forgot all about that. Yeah, we need to talk about that. So telemedicine. So mm-hmm. that's that's a huge uh, uptick as well and, right. and something that we're going to be seeing. So it's more the whole goal is getting patients access, information, and prevention, which so is the you're, goal. So as long as that can happen, I mean, you're obviously just pro-patient perspective. Whatever helps them. You're for. Whatever helps them put me out of business, I'm all for it. <laughs> We're just going to have to podcast. We're just going to have to figure out a way to monetize this podcast thing. Well, you're right. I mean, I didn't say that they were doing, like, complex surgeries in this place. Like, but maybe they will. Who knows? Who knows? Although, although the reality is, is with a lot of good prevention in healthcare, hopefully a lot of diseases, even surgical ones, and perhaps cancer and who knows what, the incidents will go down. Yeah, that's and true. And the reality is I don't mind if I get put out of business. It would be fantastic. If people are getting healthier. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, we have a topic for today. Don't worry, we do. everyone. Okay. But we also posted a pic of you at the CanMed conference, and we promised listeners that we would get into it on the podcast. What's really interesting is that a lot of the research in cannabis, the early research especially, and all the major discoveries took place in Israel. So all these Israeli guys flew here to LA to this conference and it, I've been to a few of these now so this isn't my first one um, but this was the most scientific of all the ones I've been to and, and it was really more about medicine and science but it's still by no means um, there but okay. it's getting there it's still it's it's over the years and over the conferences that I've gone to it's it started out wild westish and it's getting more more and more medicinal and, and scientific, which was kind of cool. So they're just being able to, like, back up what they're saying more. You mean, like, their studies are... Their studies, but also they're just talking about the research itself, not necessarily in humans, but just the, the 
molecular research and the scientific research that they're doing in rats and in animals. So and it's like benefits or is it like the negative ben- side effects too? Actually, that, that's a wonderful question, Lauren. Um, the, the, it's mostly benefits and actually it was a shame. The final talk, so it was a two-day conference, the final talk from like 5 p.m. Mm-hmm. when half the, you know, actually almost all the audience left was the only negative talk about cannabis. You know, other other talks briefly mentioned, you know, would would briefly touch upon it. And some of the doctors said, you know, we just really don't research and bother to look at the negative things. But the only talk that was about negative stuff was the final talk. And uh, interestingly, as a surgeon, it's something that I've actually um, encountered because um, um, it was about hyperemesis uh, syndrome from from cannabis, believe it or not. And hyperemesis is a fancy word for vomiting a lot, throwing up a lot. Okay. Uh, hyper meaning a lot, emesis meaning throwing up or vomiting. So um, it's fairly well known in in the medical literature, although it's it's not... I, I mean, it's there in the medical literature, but it's probably not so well known both in the medical literature, and that's what they talked about, but especially among cannabis advo- advocates and cannabis users, it's very not known about is the fact that, you know, everybody thinks, oh, cannabis is great. It's great for everything. It's great for this. It's great for that. Certainly, everybody thinks people who are on chemotherapy, who have nausea, who have anorexia, no appetite, it's great to, to increase your appetite, and it's great to take care of nausea and it's great for gain, weight, gaining weight and well-being. Oddly enough, there's a small set of patients, healthy patients, mm-hmm. who when smoking marijuana, using any form of pot, develop the exact opposite. Crazy stomach pain, throwing up non-stop. That's what I always, yeah, I assume that there had to be some negative. Yeah, and it, it, it's a small population, but it's it definitely exists and unfortunately I've taken care of a few people now with that. Mm-hmm. So, it, it was a great topic. Um, so you just go to learn, just, I mean, as a doctor, you're just trying to learn all you can. I'm going to learn as much as possible. It, it, and the reality now, it's really interesting, probably 90% of my patients, and I see non-cancer patients too, but probably 90% of my patients either are interested in some form of cannabis or have even tried some form of cannabis mm-hmm. or or are curious about it or... or Mm-hmm. Almost everyone, it's it's amazing, is interested in some form of it and trying it, has tried it. Um, but there's still very little real medicine to it, mm-hmm. unfortunately. And that's why I'm very interested in it. Okay. Yeah. So that you have, like, yeah, or as most research responses you can give them. Right. Okay. And and I'm, I'm at the point where I could help give some guidance, but it's still very right not yet there and then there also was that thing i mean we talked about it a little bit when we did a, a podcast on cannabis a podcast a podcast uh, okay <laughs> yeah, a podcast uh-huh. um but there are there is some evidence i don't know if they talked about this at the conference that uh high marijuana use can cause schizophrenia in young people so that's it. so so Actually, that did. It was very touched upon. Only there was no science about it. It was touched upon a few times. Not necessarily cause schizophrenia, but make 
mental illness yes. worse it, that's um, and exacerbate mental illness. Mm-hmm. One of the concerns is is cannabis use in the youth, you know, up till, you know, the magic age they've said is up till age 26 when the brains are still developing. Afterwards, it's not necessarily so bad, but I don't know how much the science is there. Mm-hmm. Um, but interestingly, one of the things talked about was that cannabis use may actually help people with depression and may help certain patients with mental illness as well. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, we still it's have like to figure out fine line. Fine line. And not only that, you really need it someone who's used to treating patients with it and do, mm-hmm. and there are these days there are some amazing people who are mm-hmm. who have super patient experiences with tons of patients and dosing and this and that. So it's pretty impressive. And, and a lot of the doctors or the scientists told anecdotal stories too, which always you know gets to you when you hear some story about some yeah. autistic kid who never engaged, who was violent, and then he found a, the proper dose of cannabis and all of a sudden stopped being violent or gave their parents a hug and said, I love you. Wow. You know, and, and someone mentioned yeah, that. Yeah, that's powerful. But like you yeah. said, every patient is different I guess just like right. some people are allergic to antibiotics that would cure most all of your patients right and people talk about Benadryl for example you know people take Benadryl um, for uh, it's an antihistamine for itching or whatever but it also has a side effect of making you drowsy mm-hmm. in some people sometimes the elderly or who knows what Benadryl has the opposite effect it makes you hyper oh really and a lot of drugs are like that you know you think you're going to give it for one thing and it actually causes something else and there's no difference in cannabis it's hard being a doctor well so do we have a topic today we do have a topic should we talk September, about September as it comes to an end is childhood obesity month mm. just childhood obesity month not not human obesity month it's not you know it's just specifically childhood uh-huh. and so the CDC put out a bunch of like statistics which got people talking about obesity in general. Yeah. But specifically for children, it is one in five children in the United States has obesity. Is it really that high? That's how high it is. Wow. So 19%. Wow. And certain children are more affected than others and so this National Childhood Obesity Awareness Month is supposed to provide a chance for people to learn more about this serious health condition. Like children, it sounds like just like adults with obesity are at higher risk for having other chronic health conditions and diseases such as asthma, sleep apnea, bone and joint problems, and type 2 diabetes. Which is, I think, the same symptoms that would happen in adult. Right. Adults. Right. The CDC is just recommending this month and every They're month. They're recommending or recommending? Recommending uh-huh. that you be aware of your child's BMI. Which, body mass index. Body mass index. Yeah. I guess you can go to their website and try to figure that out or ask your doctor. Make sure you drink water. That's an easy way to lose calories if your kid's eating, drinking pop, soda. Right. Whatever, however you want to say it. You call it pop? I just did. Uh, I think that's what they say in Oklahoma. I uh never drink soda, so I don't really say it Where you grew up, they called it pop? I never called it. It was soda. Yeah. You called it pop. I think it was pop. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So I'll just say both. Soda. If you're drinking soda pop, right, you should stop. Yeah, right. You, you know that's one thing. My wife. I always find a way to mention my wife at every podcast. I, I or try to. She's really was good about making sure our kids really only drank water. Yeah. Not. Um, 
rarely, rarely, on rare occasions, sometimes they'll have like an orange juice. Like if we go out, right. you know, for breakfast somewhere. Well, when I grew but, up, I, we didn't, like, my parents, I don't think, really knew that orange juice was bad. Like, right. Because there were so many commercials of like the great benefits. Orange of juice OJ. was great. Yeah. And then I learned as I became an adult, I was like, oh, this is just full of sugar. It's it was like my water. favorite drink, and so I stopped drinking it. And I think most patients get, when I talk to them about, you know, patients who are a little overweight or a lot overweight, and we talk about things, and, and I just say, stop drinking. I'm like, do you drink juice? They're like, yeah, I have a couple of drink juices a day. And, I, and I'm like, like... That'll help. Yeah. And just stopping juice mm-hmm. is amazing. Yeah. Or um, wine, for instance. I realized I was gaining weight. I stopped drinking so much wine. Really? I lost some calories. Interesting. There's little things you can do. Obviously, that's not for the children out right, there. Right. But the children have to stop drinking <laughs> wine. Kids... Stop drinking wine. And you're supposed to, get, I mean, they get the recommended amount of physical activity each day. Um, just eating healthy meals, snacks. But my question is, do you, have you ever had to talk to a parent about their child's weight? Like, how do doctors talk about that? Because this recommends talking to your uh, physician. I was a husky kid. Okay. As a kid. And it, it, it was hard. It, you know, but, you know, um... And and my kids, even my kids, struggle with weight a little bit. Which unfortunately, gives you a and better perspective, I think. It's, you know, unfortunately, and I think we're going to touch upon it uh, in a minute. Unfortunately, it it's it's not just a quick fix. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it's a lifelong battle. Is is you know being everybody's best health that they could be. You know, right. whatever it is, and and um, so. I've never, I, I, you know, I, I've dealt with my own children, you know, and my, and, and the main thing we try to do is not make it about not eating. Okay. We try to make it about being active and making good choices in what we eat. Um, and, but it's an ongoing struggle. Right. It's, it's a, it's really a challenge in childhood obesity and adult obesity. It's really an ongoing challenge. Um, and so there's like the general thing that doctors would say is just like be conscious of what you eat, work out like that. Or I mean, obviously you're not handing them the food pyramid anymore. Or no. Any of that. But. Yeah. Well, my own, you know, we my own thing is is I personally have always battled with, you know, while now I don't think I'm obese. I at you know at points in my life I've been obese, and certainly as a kid I I was right pre-puberty and around puberty and um it it can't just there's no unfortunately there's no quick fix although i think sometimes patients do need a jump start of a quick fix mm-hmm. um but i think at the end of the day and i've just recently within the last couple of years come to that realization and hopefully i could stick with it it's only been a few years is that it's a total shifting and changing of one's total mind frame and everything Mm -hmm. and it and it's just uh and and that's why the whole um wellness thing is taking off so much because it's just trying to be um you know one person i I heard a ted talk i like ted talks he said it's simple you move more and you eat less I, i mean then that's the simple thing and there's a lot to that um and now when i talk to patients about it it's not so much it's more about telling them the struggles that I'm going through and how I deal with it. I really try to make sure at least, I, I tell everybody I try for seven days a week because if you don't do it seven days a week, um, 
It's too like some patients say, "Oh, I work go to the gym three days a week," and in my mind, that would not work for me. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it would work for anybody unless they're gifted or blessed or already have this different thing. Because if you're doing it only three days a week, it's too easy to say one day, one of the one week, oh, I'll miss a day, and then right. then you're only doing it two days a week. But then also, it's not a habit. Mm-hmm. And it's got to be something that's really part of your life and part of a habit that you need to do it every day. And if you miss a day, it's like, crap, I missed a day. I got to figure out how to do it or do it. Yeah, I agree with that. So for me. For me. Yeah. Um, and there are days I miss and there are days I deliberately are like, uh, today's a holiday kind of thing. But even on those days, I'm kind of feeling bad and I'm jonesing for it a little bit. Um, but I hate exercising. Yeah, I hate all that. But there's a reason why it's called working out. <laughs> it's work. You know, and it has to be incorporated into yeah. things. Well, I remember, like, Michelle Obama doing Let's Move. And I thought that was great back in the day. I think she started it in 2010. Yeah. So I think that was, like, a great thing for childhood obesity. Like, she really took that cause under her wing. And... But I was trying to like look up if that had any benefits because I, that, I felt like that was such a huge movement. Yeah. Um, it, she like made better labeling, better food in schools. She worked with chefs and pediatricians. But the results are basically that it didn't have that much effect. Yeah. As m- much as I can figure out, unfortunately. So now it's like, because of that, I feel like people were m- much more aware. So I thought it was going to have a huge impact and it doesn't yeah. look like it did. Well, I think part of the problem is, and we talked about it in one of our other podcasts, is it's the whole thing about the jewel, you know, the vaping, and mm-hmm. and everybody's so gosh darn stressed, and mm-hmm. especially kids today, and it's about finding the outlet. And I think, and my again, my wife is really ahead of the curve on a lot of stuff. I have to give her that uh, kudos. Is that I think um, it needs to be part of school. You know, kids go to school five days right. a week. So every single day, part of school, every day, every year, no matter what age you are, from nursery to college, mm-hmm. there should be part of that school should be an hour of some kind of fitness right. so that every kid is doing fitness from day one of school to day graduation. Right. And then it's a no-brainer. Yeah. Plus, the kids may get into the... And it, and it shouldn't just be, oh, the kids who are lazy get to sit on the side or the right. kid. There should be something for everybody. They should figure... Whether it's a yoga class or whatever, that's what schools should be focusing on. Some aspect of moving for an hour every day for every kid. I agree, because a lot of kids are in, like... They get to go to all these activities like dance, soccer, but a lot of parents also can't afford that. So it should yeah. be something that is exactly. done at school. Right. Or they don't have time after school. They're doing too much homework. Right. School, more than anything, should be about moving. Right. Yeah. Type 2 diabetes is a serious thing. Right. And it shouldn't be a one day a week or a three day. Mm-hmm. That should be your school. And it, and it shouldn't be optional. You know, obviously, if you have a broken leg, you don't have yeah. to do it. Right. But maybe you should do something else if you have a broken leg. You know, right. lift weights for a little bit or something. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it's very important. And I think it'll get kids. Statistics. Not only that, I think it'll get kids more into different sports if if it's a constant thing started right away. So it's not like oh, we got if if it's there all the time, it's it's not like a kid's going to dread it. It's going to be that's what we do. It's like right. you take algebra and you take geometry and you take English. You take movement for an hour of whatever it is. And who knows? We may find amazing athletes too that we haven't even discovered. Yeah. And I there mean, you go. The I, next Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Yeah, and then, well, so, just obesity in adults, there was a recent report, which um, I think is why 
we're going to get to what Bill Maher said yeah, on his show. Yeah, get there, get there. But the you so there was a recent report that obesity rates rose above thirty five percent, an all time high in twenty eighteen in nine states. So that's the most states that's ever had a thirty five percent or above obesity rate. Yeah, those states are Oklahoma's not on the list. I was happy about that. Alabama, Arkansas, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, Missouri, North Dakota, and West Virginia mm. have a serious obesity problem with over thirty five percent of their population. You know, the big drink in the South is sweet tea. Have That's you been what down I was there? trying to find. I was like, wonder if there's like some consistent There's thing. sweet tea down there. And then and that's and then you can get sweetened sweet tea. And sweet tea is like this sugary drink that you can't... I mean, it's yummy, but it's like lemonade with sugar and tea. Ooh, no. Yeah. And that's what they drink down there. And fast food. And mm-hmm. I spent a drop of time in the South. What they eat is... is is interesting. Yeah, it's a yeah. problem with yeah how you're raised. Yeah, I guess. but I must confess, I'm about to hit fifty. I think we talked about it. I, I'm I'm going through a little trauma. I'm hitting fifty <laughs> in a couple of months. You're, gonna, you're doing great. And thank you. And the reality of that is, is we're at that age. I'm at that age. You're not. I'm at that age where stuff's gonna be coming. Mm-hmm. And I just think the better shape that I'm in the more physically active and and the better shape that I'm in, the better chance I'll have at either delaying it or fighting it or just whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's I don't know. proof of that. I think so. There there are studies that that show that people who are actually underweight have longer survival, but then you see obese people I live know. to 120. Exactly. So, it's all so who knows? Over the place. Right. But so Bill Maher did a whole segment on how we should bring that shaming back yeah um because of the obesity rates i mean are staggeringly high now in nine states yeah and uh the childhood obesity rate one in five is not great so he has i mean i don't i don't agree with his fat shaming thing at all right there is a problem right it is an epidemic which i think everyone agrees on right i think part of the problem is is poverty it's uh healthier food is sometimes way more expensive right Right. Or just harder, not just necessarily expensive, but it's harder to to make or cook right. or prepare. It's mm-hmm. much easier to throw a burger on the grill right. or, or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. or fast food on the grill. It's easier. Right, exactly. So, so it takes a little bit of work. Yeah. Working out. Yeah, so yeah. it's just like stuff we have to condition ourselves with. Right. But um, James Corden... I want to talk to you about something. Last week I was watching the television and uh, Bill Maher sat at a a host desk like this one. He looked into the camera like I'm doing now and he talked on his show about fat shaming. He argued that it had gone away and needed to make a comeback. Take a look. Being fat isn't a birth defect. Nobody comes out of the womb needing to buy two seats on the airplane. (laughs) We have gone to this weird place where fat is good. It's pointing out that fat is unhealthy. That's what's bad. Fat shaming doesn't need to end. Needs to make a comeback. Some amount of shame is good. Thanks for that, Bill. You and I, we listened to the James Corden yeah, it's response. Not, you can watch the YouTube James Gordon yeah. talks about fat Corden. shaming. Gordon. Corden. 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 Why did you I don't know. I don't watch that show, but I watched that clip and I was very impressed with him. He's great. And... Um, and he and James Corden was hit it right on the nose. It, fat shaming is awful. It's mm-hmm. not okay. Um, and a great point that he made, and I'm kind of the same way, is that when when someone puts me down, 
it only makes me feel crappier exactly. and makes me want to do harmful things to myself, which is eat and pig out. Right. Um, and so fat shaming doesn't work. Although different people respond to different things differently. You know, there are some people who, and it has to be individualized. Fat shaming, awful. Not okay. Right. But, but some people will tell you, hey, I need tough love. Mm-hmm. To, But that's not fat shaming. I need you to kind of like... Right. Also, maybe that should be the job of like a personal trainer. Right. Personal trainer yeah. or a doctor or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, boot camp. Like some people thrive on a boot camp thing. Right. Um, whereas some people thrive, you know, other ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and James Corden talks about that a little bit. Yeah. And he also talks about, yeah, if fat shaming or he calls, he's like, what fat shaming really is, is bullying. Right. And if bullying really worked, there'd be no fat kids in school. Exactly. You know, I thought yeah. that was a great point. Yeah. Very true. So the only other thing I wanted to talk about was... Um, my daughter. I always talk about the kids. So mm-hmm. um, having nothing to do with anything at all, but our pre-med program is just getting going. We start. We started last week. We're about to start next week. And one of the things we always talk about with the kids is, you know, in addition to getting the ability to and chance to shadow doctors and hear about doctors, we also talk about the whole pre-med process. So uh, my daughter, who is now going on the job application circuit cycle mm-hmm. is talking is prepping actually her interviews tomorrow she's talking about the interview that she's going to be going on tomorrow and what i said to her was what i think the most important thing in going on an interview is or in someone's resume or in their cv is their story mm-hmm. is someone's story and what i mean by that is it's okay at least in my mind if i'm in the interviewer it's okay if someone said to me Hey, I took two years off from school and I traveled uh, the world and met the Dalai Lama and, uh, you know, and bartered my way through, you know, half of the world and then came back here with a purpose and I did some research and I volunteered at some missions and I also bartended, whatever, Mm -hmm. but I learned so much about the world and had this great experience. That's great. If someone comes to me interviewing, now I'm ready to go to med school. I did all this stuff. I felt like I needed to get it out of my system, and I've gotten these amazing life lessons and experience. That's great because they're telling a great story. So that's what I was telling my daughter. I said... You, you know, you have you have different things on your resume that you've done, and you you maybe have taken a little time here and there, and some gaps in between work or whatnot. But you've done some amazing things. Don't poo-poo them. Don't not talk about them. Don't belittle them. Make it part of your story. Is, yeah. is kind of what no, I, I said. I love that. I think that's great advice. And and rather than I certainly don't want a kid who's going to be like, hey, I just smoked pot for two years and do right. nothing. That's a different story. Um, um, but. So my thing is, is tell your story. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. Thank you. Because then you'll figure out if you're a good fit anyways. Like, if they don't love your story and who you are, that's fine. It wasn't a good fit. Right. I think so. But I think that's just good for people and living. I I think it's all good about the story. I agree. Yeah. And that's Gross Anatomy. And that's Gross Anatomy. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. This is all just our opinion. Right. Thanks for joining us at Gross Anatomy. And like us and find us and Instagram us. And write in some questions. Yeah, we need more questions. And give us advice. Yep. Okay. Thanks. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening to Gross Anatomy. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can check out more episodes on the evolving sights, smells, and sounds of medicine.